I'm Rashab, and here with me in the studio is John Webb. And... Yes, I'm here. Take note. Uh, of... Yeah, Amar. Amar is here. And intro to this podcast. This is the fifth podcast special. So, how many podcasts that you know of, your favorite podcast, has gotten to five episodes? Possibly every single one, but we think it's special. So, we have a guest today, a family friend of mine named Amar. Uh, He likes F1, and we're going to have a good conversation. You Uh, betcha. Amar? Yeah. What's up? What is up, everyone? Perfect. You want a little intro for myself? Absolutely. Let's go. Cool. All right. Well, my name is Amar. Uh, I don't even know what to say, to be honest. Uh, I like motor racing. Uh, to some degree, I followed pretty much every major motor racing sort of sport. So rally, F1, NASCAR was a brief, brief episode in my life, but not too big on that these days. Uh, yeah, I mean, everything. Um, I'm very much a, you know, a petrol head. Peterhead, whatever, whatever, you know, you want to, whatever term you want to use. Um, I love driving. I love cars, I love wrenching on them. So yeah, man, I'm excited to be part of your podcast for this episode. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, cool. Um, so first thing I want to jump into is you say you follow F1. Who is your favorite driver? Oh, uh, are we talking like all time or currently active? You can go either way. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Senna holds a very close spot to many people's hearts. Um, probably one of the greatest of all time. Very inspiring uh, character. Um, if I had to talk about active guys, he's not the most winning- winningest, 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 is that the word? Uh, right yeah, out there. Um, I love Vettel. I think he's got cool style. Um, been a fan of him for some time. Yes. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. I honestly, I would probably pick Schumacher. He's not active anymore, obviously, but he was to some, I mean, last time he raced was like 2012 or something like that, I think. Yeah. So, um, I was definitely a huge fan of his then. He was the Stig on top here. Yeah. That goes a long way. Uh, Can't go argue with that. Yeah. But if I pick active guys, I go with Vettel. Yeah, and I think that it sort of drives us into our next point about Mercedes domination. Mm. Obviously, Rashab and I have spoken about it, and it's something that we hate and don't mind at the same time. There's some races where, you know, everybody else is completely flopping, and you see the team that spent an absurd amount of time and money, and obviously, yeah, they win it. Yep. But in other senses, it's just completely predictable. What do you think? I mean, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head. Uh, they have insane budgets. I mean, I, I don't know all the numbers off the top of my head, but I know that they are inc- incredibly well-funded. Um, see, okay, so the, once upon a time, having, like, the latest, greatest, craziest technology on the, on the, on the, on the field, like, met, meant you could either win it or, obviously, if your driver was no good, then that's a different story, but... Right. With things being more kind of standardized these days, I think that evens the playing field a bit. But I mean, they—it's Mercedes, Mercedes. I mean, I would. The only other 
gosh. The only other manufacturer that would that I feel like would hold a candle to them would be McLaren, perhaps. Um, I don't know. Like I like I mentioned to you privately, I don't follow too much of modern F1 because I think it's lost a lot of its charm. Uh, yeah, you know, over the decades. So, my I might be wrong. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, it's interesting because the team that's won the most Ferrari never has super dominant spurts aside from two thousand to two thousand and five, sure. where it's just insane. Um, I was definitely impressed with what Red Bull did from 2010 to 2013 yeah. with Vettel just or Vettel just dominating, for unbelievable. Sure, sure. And I, I definitely agree about like you have a special technology or something different, and you definitely could win if you had a good driver. Yeah, right. I mean, 2009 was a proof of that double diffuser and Braun GP. And uh, Hamilton. Hamilton's played a big role in modern F1 because he wins pretty much every race. Uh, so it's kind of a little bit boring at the top. So you got to go to the middle. Uh, yeah, yeah, Hamilton's like a totally different breed. I don't know. Obviously, he's racing one of the best teams out there, but um, he's he's something totally special. I mean, when you look at – so I'm pulling up some stats here, right, fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Him and Vettel have been racing for the same amount of time and presumably have entered the same amount of races. And he's yeah, almost roughly. doubled the amount of wins that Vettel has, which is, like, insane. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's he's got talent, so can't really complain about that, I guess, right? I mean, they pretty much split the eras with Hamilton winning in 2008, his championship, a lull year mm-hmm. in 2009 where – Button won the championship. Then 10, 11, 12, 13, Vettel won it. 14, 15, Hamilton won it. A lull year where Rosberg won it. And then Hamilton again. It's pretty unbelievable what those two have done. For sure. Yeah. And another question about this. You know, everybody says the key and what's messing up all the racing is this dirty air problem. Do you buy it or do you think that it's, it's something else? Dirty air. Uh, so we're getting – I would say it's getting political at this point. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, when you think about, like uh, – again, you'll have to, like, forgive my ignorance to this, but, like, so uh, – where do I even begin? Okay, so I'm thinking about all the modern sort of um, restrictions and changes to rules, and yeah, car design, all that. Like the one thing that comes to mind would be like the the new Halo kind of yeah, exactly. roll bar thing or whatever stuff like that. It's like okay, the cars are kind of starting to look a little ridiculous right now. If you don't mind me saying, but I get the safety aspect. Like that that makes total sense. So when it comes to like safety, you know, related items. Like back in decades ago when they invented the Hans device, like that's a life-saving thing. That makes perfect sense. Absolutely. That doesn't really take away from the excitement of racing and particularly in this case, Formula One racing. However, yeah. I think back to the days, the late 90s, early 2000s, whatever, my bad. Um, I think we still had V10s and whatnot on the, on the, on the, on the tracks. And it's like those, those days were insane. And those were still modern obviously but you know relative um stuff like that doesn't really exist anymore so 
hearing the same engine whizzing by like there, the technology is phenomenal. Like, don't get me wrong. It just, it's dulled down the sport. And, you know, you take that further back to the eighties and seventies, you know, beyond that. And I started thinking about all the different crazy prototype cars, like, uh, what was it? The Brabham uh, fan car, uh, that was unbelievable yeah the tyrell like six wheel car like people were experimenting with with stuff back then and it it made watching these races you know something else obviously there were big names during the 80s and 90s too um i don't know i think the sport is still impressive these cars are the pinnacle of auto you know motor racing technology i would i would still think but it just it's it's a bit dull and there's a lot of politics involved and it's made me kind of fall out of love with the sport, to be honest. I have an opinion on the entire engine thing, which is with new fans of the sport made me somewhat hated with people who have watched the sport previously who like it a lot. Yeah. A, Bernie Ecclestone should be running this thing again because he just made a decision. He didn't make a technical working group or whatever and spend years deciding whether the cars are going to become 10% slower around the lap to aid racing. Sure. And people don't like that because they're like, ooh, well, you know, it's good with the changes that are happening and all that. And the other thing is, like, the V6 turbo engines, Uh I mean, sure, they have power. They still don't have as much power as they did in the 80s, which is baffling. I mean, I guess they had this special fuels then, but even now they should be able to work around that and get to at least 1400 horsepower, in my opinion. And if they don't, they should certainly go back to louder engines with more cylinders. Just makes it a little bit more interesting. Right. Like a 16 cylinder car. Like, I mean, they're very fuel guzzling. I I just wish you could totally get rid of these, these standardizations and hey, like, Obviously, when you have teams so well-funded like Mercedes, they have the capital to go crazy with R&D and whatnot. But it still would be super interesting to see these companies, especially in this day and age where the technology is anything is possible, um, just to see what people, what these companies come up with and what what new technology or whatever they can bring to the, to the races. I think that would be incredible. I think that would change the sport and kind of bring it back to like its original roots. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. Obviously, part of it is you know climate change and yeah. Let's let's face it, racing is uh, it's not doing the the polar bears much much good. But um, I think I think the future and I think it's been this case for a few years now. Formula E, and we might be straying off the topic of this uh, podcast, but I think that's no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I formula I don't follow that much either, to be honest, um, but. Formula E, I, I see a lot of promise in. Um, I think I think we might all be able to agree that uh, electric cars are the future in some sort of capacity. So uh, Formula One being crazy with R&D, or at least it once was once upon a time, that technology will kind of filter down to cars that you and I drive every day. And uh, whatever they can do to further along that technology, I think it's going to benefit us all. So my two cents on that topic. Personally, I love the polar bear things. You sound very Jeremy Clarkson-ish, and I love that. Absolutely. (laughs) And another thing about getting it 
or the teams closer together with the budget cap proposed uh, to get smaller and smaller over the years. Rashab, somebody who you don't think all that highly of, Zach Brown, has said that they should just remove all the regulations and they set the budget cap at a certain thing that the smallest teams and the biggest teams can work with. What do you think? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. Oh, go on. My bad. No, no, no. Go ahead. No. Uh, so I, I just uh, kind of pulled up something and it looks like we're going to be reducing the caps about five million. Yeah, five million every year from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty five. So that's like obviously going to be a dramatic uh, reduction, especially when you count account in inflation and whatnot. Um, but again, it's like, but if every team has the same cap, then I guess that's that again continues to level the playing field. But I don't know. There's just something about having a not equal playing field that just makes it kind of exciting and maybe it's just not fair. I mean, I guess, you know, manufacturers and teams with tons of money inherently have an advantage, but um, I don't know. I just think about sport, uh, sports teams. Like I, I watch hockey and uh, the playing fields aren't, aren't level there, but you still get a kind of a rotation every, every couple or a few years or so. So you don't have exactly the same team dominating over and over. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that doesn't apply directly to F1. Yeah. Yeah. So next question, Rashab and Amar, I don't think I've asked either of you this question, but past or present, who is your favorite team? Right I think about that one. Um <laughs> I was faster, Shab. <laughs> what did he say? He said Red Bull. Red Bull. Yeah, that's. I would say that's high on my list. But um, man, I think I would go Ferrari to be honest. But Ferrari, yeah. Ferrari, or McLaren for me. There's just some. I like McLaren. I, I like their their style and everything. But um, so it'd be between that and Ferrari, I think. What about you? Yeah. Well, personally, my favorite team is the funny thing about it and why I don't really stream it in right now, at least. It's Williams. Williams, yeah, and, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's love their heritage. It's pretty great. Yeah. And the fact is, I definitely see what they can do with the budget cap, sure. and I'm really excited for that. But as well as that, it's it's a team that I've followed for a while now, and I just really like – I can't find too much wrong with them. I mean, aside from the fact that they kept losing valuable engine deals. In, yeah. Like, like 80s through 2000s. Yeah, they definitely struggled with that, that's for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, their heritage, their history, I think it's a pretty cool yeah. part of them. Fair enough. Now, with Vettel being your favorite current driver... Does it, I mean, you say you don't follow it a ton, but does it hurt a bit to see him struggling? I mean, I hate I it, mean, especially, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't like it. No, I. it's it's obviously not ideal. Um, again, I don't have any skin in the game, so if he's winning, if he's losing, um, I my life doesn't change much, so I can't really be, ha- like, sad, I guess. Um, it would, I, you know... I don't know if he's just like lacking talent as of late or something, but it would be nice to see him winning again 
or at least winning consistently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like like I said. I don't I don't have much skin in the game, so I can't really be too sad about it. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting next year with so many people changing teams. Mm-hmm. Rashad Benamar, what are your thoughts? Do you think next year is going to be a better Formula One, or what do you think is going to – what's happening? It's definitely going to work out easier, like, uh, in the end. Each team will have a driver that fits their needs more. Um, there's currently at least Williams and Mercedes. I think they could switch uh, drivers, like four drivers. I think Hamilton should stay at Mercedes, but they should bring Russell up. All right, I'm, I'm happy you said that. I've been saying that for a couple podcasts now. <laughs> I would love to hear more about that, but to be honest, for me, the driver changes. I think, I mean, I think the drivers uh, more likely than not will be performing to the same caliber that they've been, you know, I guess maybe not, maybe used to is the bad word, but uh, just, you know, they'll be matching the performance they've, they've had lately. Um but that doesn't mean that, you know, a driver moving from one team to another can't improve that, that manufacturer team, you know, their, their rank or, you know, how they're, how well they're doing. So, I mean, I think changes is a good thing. It's, I, I, I look at any kind of change in a positive light, I try to, so can't complain about it, but it's my two, my two cents. Yeah. And another really strange thing that they've mentioned was they just released the full 2021 calendar Mm -hmm. 23 races most they've ever had ever before we get to my main point about what's happening on the race side what are your thoughts on more races do you think it's better or worse well i mean you you ultimately dilute the uh i guess what am i trying to say here Okay, so more races gives more more opportunity um, for wins, but also for losses. Um, but I think having a, having a, a long calendar, there's nothing wrong with that, especially if um, uh, you know we're we're hitting good racetracks and things remain, or I guess become a little bit more interesting. So I don't, you know, I I can't see why having a longer season with more racing is uh, could be a bad thing. Yeah, quite excited about that. But two things that are really interesting uh, that have happened sort of materialized over the last week is that they've mentioned that the 22nd race of the season will be in uh, Saudi Arabia at a new street track in the evening. And they've also booted uh, the Vietnamese Grand Prix off the calendar. Hmm. Because uh, the sort of like the lead investor in that had some shady business dealings, and F1 said nah and just left. Fascinating. Well, uh, what do I have to say about that? Um, I think in a sport that's so dominated by money, um, I don't know, this deal must have been very, very shady for someone at F1 to look the other way. Um, and or rather not look the other way and cancel the race there. So do we have any details on what exactly caused that? I'm not, I'm not sure if I've heard anything, but that's pretty interesting to hear. 
Yeah, it, it's sort of weird knowing, like, you know, F1 teams were still sponsored by tobacco companies until 2006. Yeah. And they, I mean, they're still sponsored by tobacco companies now, just with shady, like, business codes. Yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. It's hard to imagine that they, there has to be another layer to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Which, in that, in that case, you do wonder how did it go so badly wrong in just months? Right. Yeah, I mean, we could we could speculate on that all, all night long, I'm sure, but um, who knows? Could be a lot lot going on that we don't know about. But I am looking at some of the pictures of the. So it's in Abu Dhabi, I think, uh, the last race of the season that you were mentioning, and it's a pretty pretty nice looking track. Um, I feel like I've raced this in like Forza or something before. Um, so that, that looks pretty exciting, though. Also, the Abu, the Abu Dhabi one is not the new one. No. It's the um, it's the Saudi Arabia one. But the weird thing about it oh. is, there, nothing's been. I mean, until they announced it, nothing had been said about it. Okay, so that's the second to last race. Interesting. Okay, recent confirmation that Saudi Arabia would play host. All right, let's. Well, uh, I guess we'll more to come on that. Yeah. But now that Rashab and Mara want both your opinions on this, now that we have a free up a freed up slot on the calendar for next year, um, and it's the race that they're the race slot that Vietnam was going to hold, uh, what race should be there? What was that last part? So now that there's the uh, the freed up slot yeah. where Vietnam, yeah, what race would you put there? <laughs> both of you guys, any track. My God, that's a good one. Uh, you. Quartermile, maybe. What was that, Rashad? Quartermile. All right. I yeah. I I, I wanted, but yeah. I get into that, but Amar, what were you thinking? Uh, this is a good one. I think I would have to go with Imola. I think would be pretty sweet to see F one there, but. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. Go on, go yeah, go into that um, that you were just gonna talk about. Yeah, I mean, it was good to get Imola back this oh, year, it's on there? and I think I didn't well, even it know. was just a couple of weekends ago. What? It was really interesting. Yeah, oh. but it's only because all of you know they canceled like half the races this year, uh-huh. so they looked for tracks, and Imola was like, "We'll do it." And then this track that it never had F one cars on it, or Portimao, said, "We'll do it." Holy cow. Portimount was really interesting because it was supposed to be an F1 track, but then, you know, financial crisis mm-hmm. and stuff happened and canceled. But I, it's so hard deciding which one of those you have on there because they're both flowing, they're both fast. I, sure. Nostalgia factor, I'd say Imola, but the racing factor, I may have to say. Uh, Portimao, just because it has a, a DRS zone where it's too easy to overtake, but you can still overtake there, whereas Imola, the cars are a little bit too wide. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I didn't even know Imola was on there. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. 
And one of the funnier things that actually happened there, although really not funny for Alex Albon's career, he will not be chuckling. Uh, you may have or may not have kept up with the Red Bull driver situation, but one of the drivers over there right now, his name is Alex Albon, and he pretty much just sealed his fate by spinning off late in the race. Uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. It's interesting because the team has set a timeline and said if he's not finishing fourth in every single race from Portimao, which was uh, not last race, the race before, mm-hmm. Imola, and then this weekend's race at Turkey, uh, he's out. Well, that sucks. And he's done an eighth at Portimao, a sixth at Imola, and Turkey hasn't happened yet. I feel sorry for him, but they did. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it, this is the pressure cooker situation. You got to do no, it. No, I mean, there's. it's like any any job in the real world. If you're not meeting expectations, you're kind of out of there. So it is what it is. That's on him. Yeah, it's too bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they're not going to – I think they should bring Sergio Perez in, but they're leaning towards Hulkenberg. Good. I'm glad they're leaning that way. I like Perez, but I think that – Hulkenberg for them is a better candidate. Amar, what do you think? If they had to pick up a new driver, uh, and the two in question are Sergio Perez, uh, who's been kicked out of his racing point seat, and uh, Nico Hulkenberg, who was kicked out of his Renault seat, uh, which one would you put in? I have literally zero credentials to be able to weigh in on, weigh in on this. So I think whatever you guys think, I trust you. All right, all right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean... This this is going to show how little F1 I follow these days, boys. Yeah, it's... Well, who knows? I mean, Imola, hopefully that race, or the fact that it's back for this year has tempted you into watching next race in Turkey. Come on, just watch it. (laughs) You know, it's been a while since I sat down to actually watch a full race. So maybe maybe I'll have to listen to you here and um, give it another shot. That'd be good. Rashab, uh, before we go into some other stuff, any other questions for Mark? Um, yes. What All do right. you think your favorite track ever has been? My favorite track ever? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, is it stupid to say Monaco? Because it's probably Monaco. But... Um, I there's there's something about Coda to me that I just really like, and I can't really put my finger on what it is. And obviously, it's not like a, a heritage track or anything, but I like Coda. I like Coda, but ultimately, I would I think I would pick Monaco just because it's it's Monaco. There's just so much history and everything that goes goes with it. What do What do you guys? What would you guys say? Rashad, what do you think? Uh, I would personally say Silverstone mm. is the history. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Amazing track. But I would love to say that is my favorite track to watch on, but the fact is I've driven that track a lot in the F1 videos, <laughs> and I cannot get through the second sector without spinning at that really fast section. So much so that I, I've ruined a career in the F1 games. And it's genuinely made me have a, a true hatred for the second sector. Wow. So you're just a bad driver is what I'm hearing. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's what it is, of course. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. No, no, it's all I'm sure good. you're much better um, than I am, so. I don't know. I mean, I I think the most valuable thing I learned over quarantine is that you should uh, create a racing line or get a racing style of yours and don't just jumble other things together. Yeah, fair enough. Can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was pretty slow before going into quarantine, <laughs> let's just say that. Um, yeah, no, but if I had to name a favorite track, heritage-wise, I really like the old German Grand Prix at Hockenheim. Oh, yeah. I think it's a pretty cool track. I mean, it's... I've never raced, well, sim racing, and obviously not in real life, on the old version of it, which had the super long tree section. Yeah. Uh, but that would have been cool to see. Uh, but I have raced on the current layout, and personally, I really like it. It's flowy, it's fast, and it's it's quite challenging at points. It is a fast track, that's for sure. Um, what, what would you guys say is the most technical track? I would say Monaco. That's a hard one. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. What do you think, Jack, or John? It's, oh, it's it's really weird because... It's sort of like a jumble of sectors. I don't, like... I, if you had to pick a track, it would definitely be Monaco. Mm-hmm. But I think there are certainly, certainly sectors of tracks that are harder oh, yeah. than Monaco. Like, Sector 1 at Coda, I cannot get right, mm-hmm. ever. Because mm-hmm. I, like, the the setup, like, downforce versus speed through that section, I never get that right. But then also, the, um... I have raced at the final sector of the Vietnam Grand Prix, obviously, yeah, in a sim game. But... That is definitely the hardest sector there is because it is super, very, like, there's no room on the track whatsoever. And you're going through these really, 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 like, narrow uh, corners at, like, almost 200 miles per hour. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And then you're turning in right and turning left so quickly that unless you, like, have a, a reminder for yourself or somebody hits you over the head every single time you go near it and say, remember, turn left after you turn right, you never remember it, and you almost always crash. Yeah. I gotcha. That's fair. Yeah. Around, like, uh, uh, what about, um, uh, Nürburgring? Around Sector 3 or something? Yeah, I mean, it's fast, but it, the chicane, I mean, if you lock up into it, you've ruined your lap, but, wait, wait, do you mean, like, the Nordschleife or the, the race track, the Grand Prix track? Uh, I think it's a, the 24 hours one. Oh, I, I can't comment on that too much, I've done laps in a set of course of, around that track, and I barely ever get that far into the lap before having to restart it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I haven't done any, like, it's been a while since I did, like, a, like, quote-unquote simulation endurance race. Um, Nürburgring would be, Nürburgring is just, I mean, they call it the green health for a reason, obviously. Um, Incredibly technical track. I think it's, like, mentally challenging, also physically draining. Um, 
that's that's a good contender. I didn't consider it at first. Good call out. Yeah, that would that could definitely be the one that you replace the um, Vietnam Grand Prix sure. for. If they even allowed that to happen, I would love that to be the replacement. Yeah. yeah. Ad break. Yeah, certainly exists. We definitely have an ad break. Yeah. Um, in all seriousness, though, the podcast analytics have been absolutely blowing up. It's been fun to watch over the last week. We've gone from 50 overall listens to our three podcasts to 96 listens for four podcasts. And, by the way, for those who, like, 20 people who listen to uh, the fourth podcast in two days, we thank you because that was oh, nice. excellent to watch on the analytics screen. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wait, so where is this even being uh, – I don't know if this is we can talk about it, but like, where is this being posted exactly? Like, if I want to listen to this when we're done, where do I? What do I do? No problem. It's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, oh. and some other apps. You're that... on Spotify. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Damn, nice. Yeah, the funnier thing is that the thing that we're using to record these podcasts, which we're not, if for those who didn't notice, we're not actually in a giant socially distanced room where we get guests in all the time and we talk about F1. No, we're right. on an app. I mean, if you didn't know, notice that, you're so, so stupid. Anyways, um, you know, it's a podcast app, recording app called Anchor, which is actually owned by Spotify. So oh. they were the first to add us. You have to wait for uh, these apps to, oh, for Christ's sake, what happened? He's just dropped off. Free advertising. Free advertising. Anchor. Free advertising for Anchor. Download Anchor if you want to. Yes, he's back. All right. <laughs> I don't Perfect. Do very well. The the funnier thing is we were just say, singing Anchor's praises and then it keeps <laughs> breaking. So whatever you do, do not download Anchor. Yes, what he said. Yeah. <laughs> it's counterintuitive and it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. Yeah. So... There are a couple more things before we jump into current events. Yeah. Favorite F one car? Do you have a favorite oh, F one car of all time? Or yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I my favorite F one car could never be considered in this season. They're all horrible <laughs> and tall and short and. Ugh. Well, let me. Gosh, I need to think about this one. This is like, there's just so many good ones. Um. Come back to me, please. Please. I need a moment. All right. Rashad, go ahead. Okay. This is a concept car, technically. It was never released um, into racing, but the Honda uh, RC100. Oh. And for those who don't know, that is the car that Honda threatened McLaren with yeah. uh, when they were saying, like, hey, keep using our engines for some reason. I think they were the dominant engines that year, but... For some reason, they had to threaten them with their own F1 car. It's, it's cool, Honda. Um, and by the way, jokes on that. I mean, they just keep pulling out of Formula One. They're like, "Oh yes, we're in it this time for the long haul." Nope, 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 nope. We don't like it. <laughs> and that was the first time. Then 
They're like, you know what? We're going to be an engine supplier this time because we can't take the heat of making our own chassis. Then they're like, ah, wait, nope. We stopped winning races. We cannot keep going. Mm. Right? And then people were using bootleg Honda engines in the 90s. And they said, you know what? We're going to stop making bootleg Honda engines and we'll just start making Honda engines. Right? And then the financial crisis happened and they're like, ah, 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 actually, no, no more Honda. We're actually done. Right? And then McLaren was like, sure. hey, would you guys come back? Like, that'd be great if you'd come back. We're without an engine and we just embarrassed ourselves this season. And they're like, sure, sure, we've got a good engine. And meanwhile, three years of horrible engines and uh, McLaren goes to Renault engines. And Always a good idea. Always a good idea. I mean, it's... Unless you want to finish the race. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, you have some problems with finishing races when you get those engines. I mean, on paper, it's sort of funny because they've sort of done a Williams of the 90s. They went Mm -hmm. Honda engines. Williams had Honda engines. Then they went Renault engines. Williams had Renault engines. It's kind of funny. The parallels between McLaren and Williams. It is, yes. Yeah. Um, Although, at this point, McLaren would never compare themselves with Williams. (laughs) They wouldn't dare. No, uh, no. I will say, okay, I'm narrowed it down. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Lotus. <sighs> There's obviously the two two big ones that stick out to me, the 38 and the 72. Yep. Beautiful John Player special. Um, I love, I love like, the, the low slungness, the insanely open-wheeled nature, the whole exposed – look of things, the Lotus 38 would be, probably be the one I would pick. Just okay. it, it, insane classic F1 that just looks so damn good. Hard hard to pass that one up for me. Uh, I mean, on principle, if it's, if it has to be a car that really embodies F1, I'd instantly just say, oh, the, uh, the Williams FW11, the crazy turbo car yeah, from the 80s. Yeah. Right. But I mean, some of the more modern cars, let's be clear, not turbo cars. I hate the turbo, the current turbo cars. But, you know, like 2010, 2008, they're not too bad. No. I like the Red Bull from 2010. It was okay. I mean, mainly because I sort of appreciate the aerodynamics behind it. Not really because it's the best looking F1 car of all time. But if I have to pick, I'd probably say, and this is going to be... Very controversial, but look this car up. Uh, you've never heard of it, I guarantee you. The Tyrrell 023. Tyrrell 023. Hmm. Uh, in the testing livery of it is my favorite. The Nokia car. <laughs> yes, the Nokia car. That has an H well. Wow, I don't think I even know about this one. I didn't know about it either until just a couple of weeks ago, and then I absolutely fell in love with it. Because, you know, it's 90s, and I like that. Yeah. And it's a good livery. I love that car. It looks too good. Yeah. It looks kind of like a go-kart, not going to lie. It's kind of small. Yeah. It's quite cool. Good stuff. Yeah. I think that'd probably have to be my favorite one. Um, But although we all pretty much agree that, you know, Current F1, uh, the formula is not our favorite, or at least the current formula. Um, mm. If you had to pick, and you know, you could, any car this year, favorite car, favorite livery, what would it be? This year, huh? Yeah. Mm. 
You know, I there's just I it's it's Mercedes, damn it, but I just love the way the cars look. I, I think the the colors jive super super well. Um I think that's gonna have to be my my submission to that. Yeah. Rashab? Okay, mine's probably the Pringle can um Ferrari. No, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, it was the thousandth race where I was really quite good. I think the car that I would definitely, I or I wish, and if it came to fruition, would be the best car would be if McLaren did a full golf livery because you know they're sponsored by golf now again. Uh, but they didn't do that, and I'm incredibly disappointed with their livery. Uh, McLaren, I don't like your livery. Uh, you're not listening to this, McLaren. But if you were listening to this, you now know what I think of your livery. Uh, anyways, no, it's it's annoying and difficult because for once this year, I actually really do like the black Mercedes livery, mm-hmm. and it's it is the first year in a very long time where I've said, you know what, out of all the cars, the Mercedes livery is clearly the best. But because I'm not going to say the Mercedes livery, I'm going to say the Ferrari livery when it had the giant Mission Winnow badges on it, um, because it looks bare without them. Fair enough. Mission Winnow badges, by the way, that is Philip Morris's sneaky way of getting Marlboro sponsorship onto the back of a Ferrari. Hey, tobacco sells, man. Yeah. And clearly it pays because they're this shady company is forking out $125 million a year to Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I so mean, that's I, the I, budget of Williams. Yeah, fair enough. I will say the like the turbo fan cover looking wheels are an interesting touch. Can't say I'm a fan of those. I hope yeah. that's like a concept. Oh, no, I... I... Sadly, it is a con- it's a thing now. So for the new regulations where they want more overtaking because that's how more sponsorship comes in, apparently. Mm. Um, the aero disc wheel things are going to be back and pretty much permanently because they say the wheels throw up too much of a wake, but the wings throw up too much of a wake. So they're going pretty much, I can't remember the figure, but most of the downforce is going to be from the floor. Which is good. I mean, it's sort of the route that Indy has gone. Hold on. Are they suggesting that this is why people aren't overtaking? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So there's too much um, downforce from other parts of the car that's affecting the air behind the car. That's stupid. I would argue that people just don't have the balls to really race like they once upon used to. But that's just me. <laughs> no, I mean, to be brutally honest, I mean, there's... In the last few years, Rashab, I want your opinion on this as well, the best overtakes have been just somebody who's throwing everything at it in the last couple of laps of the Grand Prix to Scalvage or Savage Point uh, for some one reason or another. Mm. And or, it's... or when there's crashes. Crashes are also kind of fun overtakes when they have to dodge yeah. the cars that have crashed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crashing cells, that's for sure. NASCAR gets that one. Yeah, they definitely get the uh, the uh, the crashing part of it, but I mean F one's trying to use that as well for the American audience. In their American F one trailers, they just put massive crashes, and it's mm-hmm. I mean Spa, these massive crashes happen. Yeah, these massive crashes happen maybe once every year. It, it's not doesn't happen that much. Sure. 
It's expensive to crash. You're not really yeah, supposed to do that. Crazy. <laughs> I but, can't remember. There was a meme though that said how much Roman Grosjean cost his team every time he crashed on average mm-hmm. uh, because of the parts of the car he damaged. Uh, it was somewhere near a million dollars each time, which for a man that used to crash a lot, that's quite funny. I mean, Haas in theory should be bankrupt. <laughs> Wow, that yeah, that's that's kind of costly, I will say. Yeah. Also, I sorry, I just like no, no, go ahead. You mentioned like the Mission Winnow livery and the Ferrari, so I haven't never heard of Mission Winnow, so I googled it, and it's something I don't even know. It sounds bogus, but exactly on the right side, the thing that pops up though is a Wikipedia snippet of Philip Morris International, the tobacco company. I'm like, where is even the connection? But I guess there is one. So. Good on you for calling that one out. They definitely got tobacco livery kind of going on there. So nice job, Ari, I guess. It's the same thing with McLaren because their whole A Better Tomorrow thing is British American Tobacco's vape brand. What? Yes. A whole better, what is it? A Better Tomorrow. It's British American Tobacco's vape brand. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Wow. Well, you know what? My mind is blown. Maybe we yeah, are going back to like the good old days of F1. Who knows? Yeah, and in some previous podcast, they said we need to come back to tobacco sponsorship. But <laughs> I think <laughs> there must be the naming conventions for these companies or these fake companies. They're mm-hmm. obviously too incredible, and that's where all the money's coming from. You know, it's like, oh, they spent so much time coming up with Mission Winnow. What on earth does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, it's... Ferrari or Philip Morris, pick something that means something. It's it's literally a shell company, probably. Yeah. But, the funnier yeah. thing is they used to hide tobacco sponsorship much better than they did do now. I mean. Yeah. Yes. In, in just comical ways. Yeah. I I saw a video on it. There was this one time where West was sponsoring a team, and they just switched it and said it was East. <laughs> I mean, that's brilliant. Hey, good job. Yeah, it's, maybe they're more creative than they are now. But I honestly, like, smoke or tobacco is tobacco, but, I mean, and this is, like, a broken record, but those classic tobacco livery cars just look so dang good. I know. It's It's hard to say... You're, you can't be a fan of that. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's weird because, you know, there's... I mean, everybody says smoking's bad, and of course it is bad. Yes. But as a sponsor of an F1 car, you, you sort of don't mind seeing it. I mean, I have posters on my walls of Ferraris from, like, 2000s, and every single one of them says Marlboro on the side of it, and I don't mind mm-hmm. it. No, I mean, there. It, I don't think you necessarily have to mind it. I mean, I get, at the end of the day, it's just another company who's paying for advertising. Like, unfortunately, it's tobacco, but, I mean, I don't know. How many people actually, like, look at or watch a race, see the Marlboro car going by, and be like, you know what, I need a pack of Marlboros. I don't know. Does that happen often? Maybe it does. Maybe I'm just, like, it does, but- here. I can't imagine it happens that much. Oh, no. But then again, we should get on to that topic. Controversial, interesting topic. Um, 
Rob, intro us on Heineken. Do you hate them? Do you love them? Your thoughts on Heineken? Okay, Heineken. They're currently supplying trophies, which is not really great because all their trophies are just a star, and they normally say Heineken on them. At least the Sandhander trophies were okay. Yeah, this Heineken's taking it too far. It's kind of dumb. I'm looking at it right now, and that's that's just stupid. We had an unbelievable 20-minute rant on the Heineken trophies, and I got it mostly out of my system. Mm. But then I, I saw another Heineken trophy, and I, I haven't gotten the rant out of my system. So, firstly, I mean, A, the trophies look bad, and B, I don't like sponsored trophies in general. So, it, it's not – I mean, it's a bad start, but you, you could have made it look good. They're spending so much money on Formula One, they're putting their name absolutely everywhere. And yeah. they put absolutely no effort into their trophies. No, yeah, 100%. I, I, I would agree with Rashad. The Santander one is definitely a, a world's better. Um, this Heineken one looks totally, like, uninspired and lazy and blatant advertising. Um, Heineken's not even a good beer, so I don't know where they get off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say, to be honest. That's stupid. The more disappointing thing about the entire saga is that Williams pretty much lost their sponsor, Martini, because A, they weren't doing too well in 2018, and you know, that sort of makes sense. But B, they weren't being allowed to put their logos on the cars at certain races because yeah. they were alcohol banned. But there was still, you know, trophies that, in theory, in some of these races, and still branding in places that were advertising alcohol brands. It's completely hypocritical on F1's part of protecting Heineken in these areas, but then completely letting Williams lose millions of dollars of sponsorship um, yeah. based on their own breaks to Heineken. I, I see, like, that's the whole thing. Why are we talking about how tobacco companies sponsoring any sort of racing or sports, for that matter, is... No bueno, you know, shame shame you guys for doing that. But alcohol isn't that big of a deal. Maybe it's changing. I don't know. But, I mean, Johnny Walker, like, come on. Look, look at this. Uh, Johnny Walker has been for Formula One's official whiskey since 2014. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I get, like, alcohol doesn't inherently do as much damage as, like, smoking does, but it also is – quite harmful, especially to views. That goes for, like, many things. Why, yeah. why is alcohol more okay than, than tobacco? I don't know. It's, it's a weird, weird world of double standards, I think. Yeah, and uh, Johnny Walker, for those who don't know, also has a trophy, which they use at the Belgian Grand Prix. Um, but theirs is more excusable than Heineken's. It just has the walking man on top of a, uh, like, a podium of some sort mm -hmm. so it, it, it's more acceptable than the heineken one sure i mean i i'm looking at some of their other trophies right now though and you know there is they've got one of the guy walking on a globe and there's some interesting trophies and yeah. you know there, there are better versions of that but it's okay yeah well it just seems like heineken's just like the, the lamest trophy i've ever seen so yeah and they've removed true classics from uh -huh. the trophy lineup. I mean, like the there's... One. Yeah. The <laughs> so which one? Well, 
Wait a minute. <laughs> you can say that's a classic, but I'm going to have to disagree with that. What, what, which one did he say? So, the French Grand Prix from uh, 2018 and 2019, um, the trophy for that is also a sponsor trophy, but it has a gorilla on it holding up a Pirelli tire. Oh, yeah. Right. I remember that. I mean, that's that's original, right? You can't yeah. really knock it. And there's nothing ever going to be like that. I mean, there's nothing like that, but it's... No. Completely ridiculous, but I would love to get that trophy, honestly. Yeah, it's just another one for the I don't even get why, why, the, why the ape. Like, it doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't make sense at all. They didn't think it through. Imola <laughs> was really thought through, though. I agree. That was the best trophy of this year, aside from maybe the British Grand Prix trophy. We could have died where Harrison Senna crashed. Mm. I mean, it was probably one of the more expensive trophies to make with all the carbon and the gold, but it was, I think, completely worthwhile. And if the they bring the race one? back, yeah. yeah it looks if they bring good. the race back for another season, they should certainly reuse that trophy. That looks like, I feel like they should just all have a, a standardized sort of trophy. I would I would be totally okay with every, every race having the same type of trophy, just like the layout of that specific track I think would be cool. Yeah, sort of like Monaco and um, yeah. Austria. But anyway. Find a Rolex trophy. That would be cool. Sort of like a watch like Daytona. Mm. Yeah, I mean the entire argument it works itself around, you know. If you want different trophies at each race, there's a point where some of them become lazy, as you said, Amar. Yeah. But if you don't, they all look the same. And maybe for a driver who's winning a lot, you know, it's the same trophy every single weekend. And that's not perfect either. It's it's impossible to truly, you know, beat the whole situation. Yeah, uh, Shab and Mar, um, what do you think about this season as a whole? I mean, that to rebound through all sorts of corona-shaped problems, and right. they've sort of done it. What? No, I, I was just saying, I mean, I feel like racing, uh, I feel like most motor racing events... I mean, I don't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't follow F1 much this year, but it just like inherently thinking about COVID, I don't, obviously it sucks for, I don't know if fans were able to go to these races or not, or in like high quantities, like, like was expected, but that's the nice part about F1. I mean, you can still have the races because at the end of the day, it's just the one guy in the car. So things should be like normal. I would imagine. I don't know how, how big of an impact was it? I mean, I'd say coronavirus wasn't the biggest impact. I'd say, like, Mattia Bonotto would probably be the biggest impact. In the last two years, he took his position in 2018, right? Yeah. Wait, you think that's the biggest impact? Actually, now that you say that, it sort of makes sense. <laughs> I But I want you to run through the argument uh, just to make sure that it makes sense both ways. Okay, because, I mean, like... Ever since he came along, Ferrari's been going downhill. 
Right. And they had the cheating had it, like, engine in 2019. Race. Yeah. And like, uh, this whole year. I mean, at right. this point, Alpha just sniped for podiums. And Kimmy is beating Vettel. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's possibly it's just Kimmy going into Kimmy mode, but you know. Yeah, that guy's a riot, honestly. Absolutely. He's brilliant. I mean, if only we had Kimmy in his prime in the years where he had a championship winning car, that would have been excellent. Mm. Uh, And yet, no, no, we can't have that. It's too bad. Would have really given Mercedes a fight. Yeah. I mean, if Ferrari was fighting Mercedes for the title this year, it would be a really different championship. I mean, A, Mercedes wouldn't have won the title at Imola, which they did. They won it really early this year. Hmm. But B, I I don't think we would be having as many conversations about these little details. I mean, there, there just wouldn't be as many... We would be more interested in the racing, like, ooh, who's going to, what does it boil down to? Is, you know, is Leclerc going to really stick it to Mercedes this year? But we don't, and we start noticing things like, oh, the trophies are quite crap, as it turns out, at certain races. And, oh, you know, the, um, the racing isn't as good as we thought it was at the higher tiers. You know, the midfield's the best at this point. It's sort of interesting. Rashab, you definitely... Could be right on that. That's that's really good. Um, or it's not good, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Amar, this weekend Turkish Grand Prix, you may have watched that in the past. Memories or anything from that? What do you have to say about uh, you know, Can't think of anything distinct that I would have remembered. Um, I don't know, but it seems. I mean, just doing my little research here and there about stuff we've been talking about and obviously the conversation is kind of inspiring me to give it a watch. Um, so while I might not remember much from previous years, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to see how it goes down this, this time around. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's, it's been off the schedule for, just short enough for it to not be like a truly retro race like Imola is. Uh-huh. But I've never seen a race there like live. I haven't watched F1 long enough to see one. Yeah. So I'm genuinely thrilled to see a race there. Yeah, I just looked it up. The last race was uh, 2011, so it's been, it's Ooh, been yeah. a dang while, yeah. It's also so... Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, should be interesting is all. Yeah. The the other thing is, apparently this track was being used as a parking lot during the earlier part of the pandemic, and people were saying that they would love to see this race come back, but it was being used as a parking lot. And it was funny, because there were other podcasts talking about it, like, oh, that's the number one track that we have to see back this year. But uh, it's a parking lot. And then, no, it comes back midsummer. They say, you know what? We are going to have the Turkish Grand Prix coming back. Hey, why not? Yeah. I'll take it. If you could have a race this year, you could add anyone that's off the calendar. Maybe we sort of touched on this as well. Or if you could, I mean, obviously creating your dream calendar is too hard. But if you could add another race this season, because, I mean, again, there's only 17 races this year. What would you add? Uh, Hit me with 
your amazing memory of what's off the, the calendar for this year? So Monaco's off. We have the um, Hockenheim's off. We have the um, French Grand Prix is off. The mm-hmm. Chinese Grand Prix is off, obviously. The Singapore Grand Prix is off. Uh, that's sort of clear. Not too clear. I thought they would have quarantined a little bit better. Uh, anyways, there. what other races? Rashad, wow, it's... Do you know? Ooh. I know we're missing a big one. Um, no, we had that. Yeah. Well, um, I will say um, Singapore. Okay, so Singapore, I remember that one distinctly. That's usually held at nighttime, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's that aspect. I like the fact that it's on like actual streets, which is always exciting. Um, I don't know if I'd call it a technical track, but it, it is interesting. Um, the layout and all the basically like 90 degree right turns and left turns and all that. Um, so a couple all that kind of combined together. I think I'd go Singapore. It'd be cool well, to see that be, race. You'll be interested to know in recent years, they ruined the middle sector. So now it is considered a technical track. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. It's weird. That plus crash gate, that makes that track always interesting to go back mm-hmm. to. Yeah, for sure. So I would, I would, I would, I'd be down. If that was on the calendar, I'd watch it for sure. Yeah. I really want, and this is a weird one because a lot of people aren't so sure about this race, the Malaysian Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. It's been off since 2017, and they said it was supposed to come back this year. Obviously, when they published the calendar pre-corona, it wasn't here, mm-hmm. which was a little bit saddening because, you know, I like that track a lot. Sure. I mean, it's it's really flat, but still, it's a cool track. Yeah, no, I, and I, I'm a fan. If the tickets were cheaper and there were a lot more people in the grandstands, obviously, without coronavirus, that would be really cool to have. 100%. Rashad, what would you have? Oh, I think Singapore. We're not Singapore. Um, uh, Monaco. Yeah. Monaco. You mean Monaco? It's true. I mean, Monaco was literally the last race that I remember distinctly watching. Um, and I don't know. I just never really failed. It's just something about the atmosphere too. Um, like all the. <laughs> Just all the money that is there at like one time um, is just like insane, and I don't know, cool part of the world too. So Monaco is a good one for sure. Yeah. So wait, so you watched Monaco twenty nineteen? No, no, no. no. I, I haven't watched that one in a while, honestly. Oh yikes! I, I, I can't remember what year it was. Um, it's been a handful of years at least. So that was just like the last race that I remember watching. Whenever that last time was. Yeah, it's the funny thing then is if you haven't watched it in that long, I, before you watch this weekend's race, I want to update you on what's changed with the cars. Yes, please. The cars, the differences are great and terrible all at the same time. <laughs> right. Um. So for I'll just sort of give you the current set of regulations. They've banned qualifying engine modes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to race in the same mode that you qualify in, which okay. is stupid to try to outlaw Mercedes dominance. They did that. Mm-hmm. 
it hasn't worked because <laughs> they have the most reliable engines and they can just run it in the highest mode. Sure. Um, they also realize that putting the rear wing higher up on the car is actually a good thing because it produces more downforce because of the more high-pressure air there. Of course. Uh, so that was an oopsie for them. Uh, but they've added it back. Um, obviously, when they added it in the regulations for 2019, they didn't think that it was going to be a good thing. They thought it was going to be slowing the cars down. Uh, that didn't work. And also, the cars are really wide now. They've gone from their, what was called, like, the narrow track um, regulations. They've widened them out again, so they're 2,000 millimeters again. Wow. But do the cars look radically better than they did in 2010? No, they don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect as much. Honestly, I feel like also uh, with aero and all that, you know, becoming more and more insane, it just inherently makes the cars look a little wacky. Um, like, who was that that had that front splitter that was like five or six different levels of splitterness? Um, <laughs> oh, God. That's... um. What year, do you know? No, I, I, the last time I remember seeing someone that was like a year or two ago. Might have been more recent than I actually remember. It could have been that... I feel like, oh, I feel like it was... I remember seeing the Patronus livery on it, so... Might have been Mercedes, for all I know. I'm looking yeah. up right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely was. Yeah, it's got like... Uh, good God. Um... Yeah, there's like five different layers of, um, I guess, like front wing, I guess, on the on the front splitter. It just looks crazy. I'm sure it's effective as heck, but I don't know. It's just wacky. Well, as we were talking about previously, the whole thing that, you know, uh, the air off the back of the cars makes it hard to follow. That's another part of the whole bad air is bad for racing thing. Mm -hmm. So they actually banned that last year. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But do the cars look radically better? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the cars are cool. And again, the technology is cool. I think the days of like cool engines and cool cars all, you know, all encompassing. I think those are those days are far gone. Um, it's not to take away from the sheer insanity and speed of these cars today i mean they are what they are they're incredible the technology is fascinating um they just lack that cool kind of visceral raw factor that they once upon used to have so. yeah yeah definitely rishab uh anything else current that you want to talk about i got some other things but go ahead max verstappen oh that's gonna win championships I take it that's a no. Was that a question for me or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. What was it? I didn't quite catch the whole thing. Uh, do you think Max Verstappen is going to be winning championships? Do I think he's going to be winning championships? Uh, I don't think so. Um, has he? Let me look at his statistics real quick. I haven't heard his name in a while. Goodness. Yeah, he's an interesting one because, you know, the Red Bull is obviously slower than the Mercedes. So, I mean, if you put him 
a lot of people say, you know, you put him in the same team with Lewis and he beat Lewis, but I'm not so sure at this point. Hmm. Well, let me get my thoughts together on this one. All right. Rashab, I want to hear your opinion on this, though. What do you think? Max, championships? When Lewis retires, he definitely has a chance. I think that's the thing about every young driver right now. George Russell, he will win championships when Lewis retires. I mean, it's Bottas, he could win a championship when Lewis retires. Yeah. Vettel, he could win a championship when Lewis retires. He's going to retire yeah. first, let's be fair. Yeah. Amar? No, it's like you look at who's the closest person to, to Lewis's sort of stature. It's Schumacher, and he's kind of not doing so well right now. Not that he's not even racing, obviously, but. Yeah. So, I don't know. And like Verstappen, I mean, just, he's so far down. On, I'm just looking at like the most winningest drivers, and he's yeah, yeah. so far out of it. I don't know. And, like, I just saw he didn't even finish in this, one of his recent races. Like, Most of I don't know if that was, like, a damn issue or something or whatever, but. Well, that actually does bring us on to the topic of standardized tires in the sport. Mm. And he had a tire failure. Okay. His tire exploded at the middle, and he spun off into a gravel trap. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, no, very fun. Um, But this year, there's been a whole bunch of tire failures, and... It sort of brought Pirelli into the spotlight. Should they even be in F1 anymore? I mean, they've been told that they were set out with the mission of making interesting races using tires. But I think (laughs) tire failures, I think, are a little bit too far. How do you what? what, Okay, so what's the logic exactly with making interesting races using tires? Is that like it's a summer day? Let's race on winter tires or something, because that would be interesting. But. I don't think they're doing something of that nature. No, no, it's actually, it's way weirder. What they're doing is they're punishing the drivers who race too hard by making the tires degrade quickly and actually putting more, like, you know, it's better if a driver conserves tires through the race because he doesn't have to take an extra pit stop. (laughs) So what they've actually done is they possibly made racing worse. Um, (sighs) Because the tires don't last very long. Yeah. See, I, I mean, again, I might be like an old soul or something, but I also just hate these kind of rules because, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like a driver should be able to choose, you know, obviously driver communicating with his team because I know they're monitoring so many aspects of the car while it's actually racing. There should be no reason why they maybe set a, a specific number of how many times you can change tires in a race, but if you if they want to change compounds or you know like if it's if it's if it's a if rain comes out of nowhere, if everyone's on the same tire, then everyone's going to be on slicks and sliding around or going much slower than they can be. So it's like to be able to to change tires and switch to what you would you would think would be beneficial in whatever given condition. I don't know. I think that would be that would add for more interesting races than like faster degrading tires because you're going quicker. Like what? I don't know. That just doesn't make, doesn't make sense to me. They've almost 
What if it was the opposite, though, and the tires degraded faster? I mean, obviously, physics don't really like that notion of the person sure. driving slower and conserving the tires gets more tire wear. But if they somehow engineered into the tires that that would work, that would be really interesting to see. Then again, Williams would be, um, they'd be taking about 15 pit stops a race. <laughs> hey, pits, I mean, like, again, like, pit stops are pit stops if you find that you have a need to do it. Like, obviously, it, it takes time out of you actually racing. But if, I mean, this is where strategy comes into play. And I think if, you, if, if teams are given choice in what they want to run, that opens the field up to different strategies. And then you could see what, what strategy really works, what doesn't. Um, again, it makes races more interesting. So uh, yeah. that's my, my thoughts on that. Final thing on tires, you know, there was a tire war raging from, uh, what was it, like, 2000-something or other to 2006, Michelin versus Bridgestone. Mm-hmm. And in the previous podcast, Rashab and I pretty much just er, ended the tire segment by saying, you know, bring back the tire war. It brings better development of the tires and the drivers can push them harder. Yeah. Do you think a tire war could be good and maybe it could even fix the tire problems? 100%. Again, this is just reinforcing my point of I hate everything has to be standardized to one specific blah, 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 whatever. I think wars are good. I, I like technology wars. Not only does that make racing interesting, but again, like you said, it, it opens up the it opens up opportunity for technology improvement, um, you know, finding what works and what doesn't. I think it's good. I don't see why it, oh, a tire war could be a bad thing by any means. 100% behind that. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's mostly it. Rashab, anything else? Uh, I think uh, i All right. Cool. Well, thank you, Amar. This was really good. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank I know you. I'm not the most up-to-speed F1 person, but it was nice to sit down for a little bit and chat about it. Yeah. Um, to tease the listeners, shall we say that you're coming back in a future episode? Yes, definitely. Brilliant. Bring me on for, so this is this podcast 100% like just F1 topics? Yeah, but I mean, we it's the name of it is technically F1 because we talk about other stuff yeah. all the time. I mean, our first episode, half of it, we were talking about F1-powered road cars. Oh, gotcha, for sure. So, I, I mean... I would love anything. I would, I would happily come back for anything you guys want to talk about, but I love, I love engines, right? So if you yeah. want to get back and discuss engines for an episode, I'm all about it. Epic. Um... Yeah, that'd be good. So, listeners, uh, this is where you come in. You have the choice to listen this far on the podcast. And if you are this far, thank you very much. <laughs> um, and if you leave a good review, which, by the way, my analytics page can't tell me because, as it turns out, it doesn't like me, um, then maybe we'll get Amar back on. We'll definitely get him back on. Don't worry. But I think that's mostly it. Uh, thank you, Amar, for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Rashab. Um, yeah, this has been great. Bye. Awesome. Bye, guys. Nice meeting you, Rashad. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Cool. Thank All right, you. boys. Take care. Yeah, you too. This is an O oh, for Heaven's Sake studio recording. 
production copyright, I'm not quite sure of the day. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.